HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. Welcome to the Grape Nation, the weekly wine journey. Our guest is Caleb Ganser. We'll talk to Caleb about wine and his new wine app, Vino, V-K-N-O-W, Vino. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Caleb Ganser is the wine director and managing partner at La Compagnie de Vinci Naturale in New York City. Company is a least in my description, a cozy neighborhood wine bar for the world and caters to every type of guest from the inquisitive amateur to the industry professional. Caleb is an alum of 11 Madison Park and Daniel Balud's Dynex Group. Caleb has innovated great events at company like the Wine Mixtape, Mystery Wine, and Wine Boot Camp to name a few. He has now created a new wine app called Vino, V-K-N-O-W, which is about teaching people about wine. Caleb, welcome back. Great to be back, to Sam. Great nation. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been a couple of years, believe it or not. You were Blink one of our eye. early guests, and I <laughs> thank you then for coming on, and I uh, thank you now for uh, sitting down with us. Well, thank um, you. Congrats to you. Thank you. And actually, next week will be our 100th show. Centennial. Uh, centennial, and we're going to be celebrating it with Pascaline Le Peltier. Which makes sense. Couldn't be any better. So tune in next week too. All right, I wanted to. We're going to talk about vino in a few minutes, but you know, while I have you here, because you're so active, I wanted to talk to you about a few things. Um, you're a natural wine practitioner. We dabble. 
you dabble. I mean, I wouldn't say this is a natural wine bar, but there's a lot of um, natural wines available. Yeah, we like to say supernatural wines. Right, which is in the name. Yeah. Um, talk to me about where you think the natural wine movement is today compared to when you opened, when you jumped in the business. I'm just curious on your take. Yeah, I mean, I still think... So natural wine, I mean, it's it's one of those kind of thorny terms because it means so many different things to so many different people. Um, I would say classically, hopefully, most people would say that it's at least wine that's made with organic grapes, if not biodynamic grapes, hand-harvested. You know, they do fermentation with the, the native yeast. Um, you don't really add any nonsense. There's about 60 to 70 different ingredients you can actually add to wine and not have to put anything on the label. Um, hopefully they'd be adding nothing and taking nothing away to take a page out of our, one of our sommeliers, Jim Sly, uh, his book. <laughs> um, yeah, add nothing, take nothing away and bottle with, you know, no finding or filtering and ideally very little to no sulfur. Um, those are sort of the major tenets I would say that natural wine should follow. And for us, it's all about being delicious in the glass. And if, if the wine's delicious and they did all those things, amazing. Like that's, that's kind of the holy grail. But, you know, if some people are making wine in a colder region or they have tr trouble in the cellar, they might have to add a little sulfur or maybe they have to filter or maybe even they have to add some enzymes or something or some acidification. You know, for me, ideally... Is that people, the end of the world or no big deal? It's not deal. the end of the world. It doesn't I mean, change things exactly. drastically. As long as the ethos of, you know, growing great wine and, like, being in the vineyard and farming and just it, having, a, having a quality product, like, for me, it's I'd rather people be trying and always making a little bit better every year. Um... And, you know, if, if it's 100%, again, no additives, it's great, but you still got to feed a family. You still got to put out a, a product, and as long as it's delicious, that's the most important right. thing. What about the knock about inconsistency? Uh, people sometimes worry it doesn't ship well. Um, not traction in the movement. I mean, where do you feel? What do you feel about all of that? It's an agricultural product, and at the end of the day, there's always going to be variables and wine is one of the most variable agricultural products you kind of wait all until the you know the fateful moment that you harvest um whatever nature gives you that's what you got and then you just try not to screw it up in the cellar and then so it's, it's very risky i mean and you know like organic produce is more expensive than conventional produce at the grocery store usually natural wines a little more expensive because there's more risks that people take there might be a little more um spoilage perhaps along the way and you have to sort of pay for that as as a consumer but the hope would be that, you know, the wines have been uh, treated properly and then the winemaker has done everything he or she can do to make sure that it ends up in the consuming market the way that they put it in the bottle. It's crazy how people obsess over organic food. Yeah. And then they'll just throw down a bottle of Mega Purple. It, it's, it is quite, it, yeah, you know, and, it's quite and interesting. This is, company is such a good place um, to sample all of that. Um, so... Why do mainstream and legacy restaurants still, you know, not put many, if any, offerings on? It's not their clientele. They don't want to take risks. I, I think I would say most people who do the buying at those places just don't even know it exists. Um, and but then, we know some of those guys, and we know they know it exists. And then, then you do think about the consumer. Like, I'll go to a Thai restaurant sometimes, and I'm just like, wow, I wish they would have, you know, they have $35 bottles of wine on the list. Like, I'm just thinking... Does the consumer really want this, you know, really low-end Mendoza Malbec to show up on their table when they're eating Thai food? Right. Or do they want something that's slightly more delicious and a little bit funky? And, and you could probably get a natural wine to 
be on the list at the same price and right. I think it would be more food appropriate and be more interesting, but is that what that consumer wants out of their wine experience at the neighborhood Thai restaurant? I don't think so. I don't think they're there yet. You know, I think no. yeah. I think it's driven by the consumer and type of place. I think some people are lazy. They don't want to take risks. It's easy to stay the course. It's true. I mean, you do have to have, uh, if you're going to kind of go that route, you really have to be all in and be highly, you know, hands-on, right. lots of education, a lot of touch, and you're going to throw out a few glasses of wine for sure, and you have to have a manager and an administration behind you that's going to support that, so you really have to have it be. Which, to your credit, you do here. What, um, tell me, think about you and think about Compagnie. Tell me some wines, regions, winemakers, even trends, you know, that have caught your attention of late. There's got to be things that uh, you're looking at that you weren't drinking two years ago or your interest has been reignited. Yeah, I mean, I would say Spain is having a really cool moment right now. Specific um, areas? The fringes, I would say, kind of northwest, you know, like, like Galicia and Catalonia um, for sure. I would say those are the two biggest areas where you're seeing a ton of energy and a ton of new wines coming out and really good values. Um, Canary Islands as well. Um, just a lot of great wines, well under $100, you know, by the bottle on a wine list. Can you give me a producer or two, a fave? I mean, does anything come to mind? I don't want to put you on the spot and lock you yeah, in. Yeah, no, the cool thing about... I love to hear from, you know, you and guys like you. Yeah, I mean, and, and Vinate is sort of the first one that comes to mind. E-N-V-I-N-A-T-E. That's correct. There's Four some guys. accents along the way. Right. I think there's three guys <laughs> and a gal. And, um, and you know, four friends who kind of met in winemaking school. They're all from different parts of Spain. And they make, make wine in four to six different regions around Spain. Like the Canary Islands. Canary Islands is one. Um, they do a lot in and around um, in Galicia, you know, like kind of Mencia country. Right. Um, there's some kind of in south, south central Spain with like Garnacha Tintorera. And, you know, all super affordable. The quality is still, right? world class. The pricing still, is still It's hard to find for, yeah. just because the demand's gone right. up. Prices haven't quite escalated with the demand yet. Um, but, you know, that's just one, that's a drop in the hat. You know, Raul Perez is making some great wines. Uh, Lorenzo, um, you know, Cellar uh, Frisac down in Catalonia. Spell his last name. F-R-I-S-A-C-H. Frisac. Just tons, and just everything is so well-priced. And the flavors, the, the quality is just, it's next level. And So definitely Spain, the fringes. You got one other area. I know you're a Francophile or heavy French here, or, you know, yeah. majority. No, it's, but yeah. Get, you know, whether it's France or somewhere else. I mean, I will say, I mean, I what I've been completely blown away by is the resurgence of orange wine. Um, we, you know, we have one by the glass usually, and sometimes people come in and they say, oh, you only have one orange wine by the glass? And it's like, okay, now we'd have to have two. And um, there so was a two, moment. Two things I didn't mean to Yeah, do sure, it. no worries. Tell people what orange wine is and then give me some good fun producers you have here or sure. accessible. Yeah, so orange wine is essentially um, <clears throat> one of the oldest styles of wine. It's a white wine that's made like a red wine. It's what white wines used to be before refrigeration, essentially. They would just skin macerate the juice with the, with the, you know, with the skins. And due to the fact that there are very few pigmenting elements in the skins of white grapes you would only really pick up a very vague sort of coppery orange color, even if you let it sit for six months on the skins. Right. Whereas red wine, you know, within three weeks, you've already picked up that pigment. Um, and, you know, it can be 
they can be all over the map. They can be some of the funkiest, dirtiest wines you've ever tasted, and they can be super clean, elegant, very pretty, sit and just kind of, you know, be with them for a while, you know, vino de meditazione. Um, so they're quite variable. They change every year from producer to producer. I mean, you know, one extra day of skin contact can throw everything out of whack or it can make it all fall into place. Give me a good producer or two. So right now we've, uh, we've had a lot of really good luck. Um, what I love about orange wine is it, it's, it's, it comes from all over the world, you know, kind of. It, really? It, uh, we had this great wine. It's Zabibo from McLaren Vale by uh, Brash it. Higgins. It's a Z-I-B-I-B-O. It might Z-I-B-B-I-B-O. be Z-I-B-B-I-B-O. And he's actually an American guy living down under, making some really cool wines. And Zabibo, he ages it in Amphora. I think it's about it's either 60 days or 180 days or something, skin contact. And the, it's just magical. It's just so aromatic. And you think it might be sweet because it's, you know, Muscat uh, grape. And then you go in and it's actually, like, quite dry, quite quite bitter, like almost like an overly steep tea, which you just wouldn't expect from the nose. It's just this whole range of flavors mm. and s- sensations and textures and then it finishes very clean and dry. Um, we, and we found this other amazing wine recently by Crocizia, which is C-R-O-C-I-Z-I-A. And they're uh, Emilia-Romagna in Italy, the wow. gastronomic capital of Italy. And it's made with, um, I think, Malvasia di Candia grape. Again, something that's quite aromatic, quite fruity, quite floral. You smell it, you're like, Jesus, this is going to be a, a fruit bomb. And again, and this one actually had bubbles too, which was even cooler. So it was like a pet nut orange. Wow. And just... Super, you know, very um, abrasively acidic and also the texture, like really nice tannin. Um, and so it's just, it's really a sensation overload. But when, yeah. it, when it's done right and it's, everything's in balance, it's, it gives you more than, than most other white or reds or sparklings would do. And again, another shameless plug. I mean, you'll find it around company is a place where they'll always be we have a whole page of orange wines yeah. by the bottle we usually have two by the glass um we like exploring what's what's out there um i don't know if this is too general of a question but is there typically a pairing that goes well with wine i know and you just described how diverse it could be but is there something like champagne oysters hmm. is there something that orange wine super cool because it's you know it's kind of like a rosé in a sense. Like if I go to a tasting menu okay. and I don't really know what's coming or if I have like six or seven courses coming, I'm going to be like, you know what? Especially if I want to go on the cheap, I'm just going to order a bottle of rosé like for like lunch or something. Just sit with rosé. You know it's going to go with everything from oysters to like right. lamb. Orange wine's kind of the same way on a slightly – like for me, I love orange wine with roasted chicken. I mean most wines go well with roasted chicken, but mushrooms as well because there is quite this umami sensation. Earthy, because, umami. Yeah. Um, so I would say – and cheese, cheeses can go great it's as good well. good with cheese yeah. too. So if you throw out a cheese platter and a cool orange wine, that's a great You won't uh, have many enemies afterwards, for sure. Right, that sounds good. All right, let's talk about uh, Compagnie a little. Um, I'm always curious, because you've been here for years already, how has the wine list changed or evolved since you've been here? When you look back and you look now, I don't know if it's access or cloud in the market or just grown knowledge. I mean, how has it changed? You know, it's been it's been pretty cool. Uh, it's been a pretty cool journey. You know, I we opened up about five years ago. I came on board just over four years ago, and you know what I walked into was a much smaller program. You know, we didn't so you really, made it larger for starters. Yeah. And you know, it's been amazing to see the response. People come in, they have a great time, they come back, they tell their friends, so on and so forth. And we've been able to grow our business. You know, hiring more people and building the wine list. You know, we're always just reinvesting in the business. Like for us, it's just how can we make this experience more. Um, than what it is, what it was yesterday. 
And so the wine list has probably quadrupled in size. Um, and it's kind of cool to see how it's it's kind of grown in the same way that it used to be. It's just a bigger version of itself. You know, we have a ton of classics, like probably seven pages of champagne and sparkling wine now. Um, a lot of Burgundy, you know, a lot of Rhone. But we also do like to explore other regions, you know. We did Alsace pop-up last year and had a whole page of Alsatian wines. We do a Beaujolais party once a year and now, you know, two pages of Beaujolais. And then it kind of dwindles over the year and we invest in other things, you know, orange wines or Spain, as, as I mentioned, Australia. And we just kind of like to run it like what you know whatever we're interested in. We'll buy a bunch of that, sell it because we're excited. Or do an event. Or do if an event. Want to do, if you <laughs> want to focus on Riesling, you do a Riesling yeah. event or a Beaujolais and all of that. Exactly. Um, you know, you've you've kept the place fun and interesting um, by doing all these uh, events. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some of them because some of them are mainstays of you know Compagnie. Um, let's talk about what you've been doing and, you know, stuff that's fairly recent. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, Beaujolais Bash is something we've had a, um, a pretty good... No, so, so we have two different Beaujolais parties. Uh, we started Break in Beaujo two years ago, which is essentially... It came a Beaujolais tracksuit, hip-hop... Um, dance. Dance party. And... We, we kind of just like threw it for fun. We're like, yeah, hopefully people show up. We'll see what happens. And it was went out to the street. Really I good turnout. Yeah, we had some break dancers on the street at midnight. Um, just tons of Beaujolais, large formats, flowing all night long. One of our good friends, uh, DJ Erzin, you know, has a massive vinyl collection, old school hip hop, and just had a really great party. And everybody bought track suits and came, and just it was just super fun. Did it again um, a year later, and then Daniel Jonas asked us to team up for the La Polay. Uh, he wanted to do a Beaujolais party, and we collaborated and essentially uh, threw a really great party March 1st uh, called the Beaujolais Bash. Um, so you're adding some street to that snooty festival. Well, I wouldn't say it's snooty. I, I did. Mean, <laughs> I, we're, we're, I think, trying to connect with definitely a younger segment of, of wine drinkers and just have a little bit of fun. You know, I, I love wine because I think it's fun. And I hope if to bring you, more fun to wrap wine. it around with all those cool things. It's even more fun. Yeah. All right. So that's one thing. What else? Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, wine boot camps have been such a great addition. Those to Those are fairly recent compared to some. The boot yeah, we camp. just started that uh, over the summer last year. And, and explain what they are. So essentially, you know, it's it's. I was very big into taking uh, these, you know, uh, boutique fitness classes, okay. and I was like, there's got to be a way to kind of apply this model to wine education as well because at the end of the day i mean everybody wants to work out but you don't want to spend two hours at the gym everybody wants to learn wine but you don't necessarily want to spend a hundred dollars and go to a wine class for two hours so i was like maybe there's a way we can sort of streamline the process lower the price point get people in and out within an hour and it's been it's been very well received you know uh, there's essentially it's four wines usually served blind so you can kind of talk about it and develop a common language so People Give come me, in. Uh, some of the past themes, so people have an idea of what you. Yeah, been so doing. we've done everything. We'll do we'll do Alsace, we'll do Burgundy, we'll do Champagne, we'll do orange wines, we'll do Hungary. One of our sommeliers, uh, Vitali, he did. Uh, you know, what would Jesus drink? You know, <laughs> <laughs> ancient wines. Um, so we, we like to have fun with it. You know, we'll focus on classic regions and we'll do some crazy off the wall. And uh, it's regions. somewhat intimate, right? I mean, how big's the group? Yeah, I mean, no more than sixteen people. Right. Um, it's it's about forty nine dollars, <laughs> and there's four wines. You get a food pairing. A uh, little, you know, sort of executive summary on the on the, the topic, in and out. You know, you've tasted a few things, learned a little bit, and back to your life. What's uh, coming up? We have... Um, 
you're doing advanced too. I think you're doing advanced boot you camps. must have figured this is cool champagne. Now let's take it up a notch. Yeah, we right. want to be able to have a little bit bigger budget to kind of pour some more expensive things because right. um, you know some people want to taste some more rare right. things in that format. And we we shrink the size of the class a little bit so it's even more intimate. Twelve people max. It's ninety five bucks, so it's not too much more. Um, but most people do see the quality jump uh, significantly. And uh, what we have coming up, so I've started this new thing like once a quarter. Uh, we're doing a, just a blowout sort of class. So we started the year off with a, a Jacques Salos and his disciples wow. champagne boot camp. We sold like three classes. You uh, kept it, adding. It was yeah, it was it was ninety five bucks to taste you know Salos and it, Guillaume right? Salos yeah. and Michel yeah. Fallon and Charton Taille. So um, you know it's not something we make a bunch of money on, but it's a really good opportunity right. just for us to get talk about wines, in. get people in, and just share. Um, so we're gonna probably do um, in April probably a, a Jean Francois Ganavat um, advanced wine boot camp. And tell people you still do, is it every day, every week, mystery wine? Mystery wine's always available. Um, you walk in, we have a white and a red that's, uh, you don't know what we're pouring. Uh, it's somewhere in our buy the bottle list, and you can So it's on class. the wine list. It's on, on the wine the list, open, list, open book test. You, you walk in and you say, give me a glass of the mystery wine. Yeah. You start sniffing it, throwing it over to the tongue, figuring out what, and if you guess it? If you guess it correctly, you win a bottle. All right. And if you get it wrong, you bought a glass of wine, and we'll we tell everybody what it is like on mass on Instagram at the end of the round. So uh, it could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a month. It just depends on how long that wine stays uh, secret. You're not running out of uh, stuff to put up there, are you? No, but it definitely it it was it changed it changes the way you buy. You know, when you know you have to fill this slot, and and you never know when. Like I'll buy five cases of something. I'm like, oh, like this is gonna be a great mystery wine. Maybe people aren't gonna get it right away. You know, you, and it's it's a, such some weird grape that you wouldn't normally sell right. by the glass because it would just sit there. So you go deep on something and you put it on like the first wine. Somebody gets it and they're like, "Oh Jesus! Right. What, what am I going to do with the rest of these wines?" Well, and we don't even sell sangria, so yeah, you can push it through. That that's a, a fun concept. Um, and then through the years, you've done some fun, silly stuff like Jurassic and a little Jurassic Park and Jura, Jura party, which we want to bring back. That was, okay. that was super fun. Yeah. And before we talk about vino, explain everyone to everyone your obsession with tracksuits. <laughs> uh, your mom told me you have pajamas that look like tracksuits, but they're really not. You know, you know I mean, I, I don't know where it came. It came after the Beaujolais party. Um, I, we knew we wanted to Which throw Which was boat. years ago, that right? Because the back. track thing for you has been going on. Yeah. So the first time you did it, it's like you got up the next day and it's like, okay, this feels good. You know, and then you put it on and then you're like, wow, this is really comfortable. And then you're like, well, I work at a wine bar. I don't work at a fancy restaurant. Right. I can technically wear this to work. And, you know, athleisure's having a moment right now, Sam. You know that. Big so, time. Um, I was kind of like, well, if, if people can wear their yoga pants out in public, I might as well wear some, you know, three stripes. And it's actually, there's like a you whole... You got more than stripes. You got some flowery stuff, too. Hey, you know, there's a lot of patterns. It's uh... So you open up your closet, and there's all these tracks. It's about seven different ones. the huh? hangers or something. <laughs> what am I going to wear today? Color-coordinated. Okay. <laughs> um, which is a cool thing, which... Um... <clears throat> we do a track suit Tuesday at the wine bar as well. So it's Every the first, Tuesday? first Tuesday of the month. Um, those who show up in strong athleisure vibes, or a.k.a. wearing track suits, uh, you can get happy hour all night long. So wow. it's... Five dollars off all the wines by the glass. Fifteen percent off all the bottles. Normally, we only do that for the first hour of service. That's happy hour normally every day. But Tracksuit Tuesday unlocks it if you want to, you know, really go hey, big, look cool, dress comfortable, and drink. I you couldn't know, ask for anything uh, reasonably. better. Reasonably, <laughs> pretty cool idea. All right, um, 
just tell everyone where company is. It's is it's this Nolita? Technically, or? I think it's Nolita, even though we're do we call it west Soho? of Lita. Yeah, I, it's literally like right on the corner of Soho, Little Italy, and Chinatown. Right. It's and right the where the address they is two forty nine Center Street, C E N T R E. Because if Company de Vents or Naturel is not hard enough to pronounce or spell, the name of our street is also the British spelling. But I think if you Google or look up Company, yeah, C O M P A G N I E, wine, you'll uh, get yeah. to the page and all. It's only a few blocks south of Houston and north of uh, yeah, quite quite central. Canal, yeah. All right, so you created a new wine learning tool, an app called Vino. Get it? Vino. But we spell it V-K-N-O-W. Um, and it's out there now. Um, what what compelled you to do this? I mean, why now? Why this? I mean, it's, um, it's something I've heard a lot. I'm sure most wine professionals hear it all the time. It's, oh, I really want to learn more about wine from you know, your friends, your family, somebody you just meet. It's like, oh, I wish I knew more about wine. And, you know, there are ways to learn it, but they can be a bit cumbersome. You enroll in a class, you take a class, you buy a book, you sit down and read it. I mean, it depends on who you are, but maybe it, it takes a fair bit of effort to learn quite a bit about wine. You know, you, it, it's a lifestyle for most people. For the professional and the uh, enthusiast. For sure. Right? I always, actually, I have almost, I have more respect for the enthusiast because they have a whole other job. You know, they're, <laughs> they're spending all their time doing something else. They have their home family to take care of, and then... They'll take wine trips as well. They'll invest in learning about wine, and I'm just blown away like at the level of dedication by a lot of people. And we just thought, well, the, you know, it's kind of the right timing in terms of, you know, wine is sort of having a moment. More and more people are getting into it, and then technology is becoming more and more easy to to, to sort of shape in, in a way that would help you. So we collaborated with uh, some folks at Area 9, which they, they have pioneered this technology called adaptive learning. Let's they, talk about that. Yeah, so... Um, adaptive... Before we talk about adaptive learning, when you developed this, there was nothing out there whether you would use or thought was good that impressed you? You know, a friend of you said, listen, you do this every day. You know, I'm married with a kid, but I love wine. What what should I look at? There was nothing that really jumped out at you? There are magazines. There are books. <clears throat> there are, you know, podcasts like yours. Um, and you can... You can be a fly on the wall and sort of pick up wine culture little by little, but there's nothing really in a way sort of boot camp style or, you know, like kind of um, very quick to the point to just learn a lot real real fast. Right. And this is sort of what that is. You know, adaptive learning. Area 9 has sort of pioneered that, which is they, they partner with a lot of people who need to teach a lot of information to you know folks in their business typically very quickly. And adaptive learning is a way that, you know, it'll ask you questions, you give it a response, and it starts to learn how much you know about certain topics. And if you seem to know a fair bit, it stops asking you those questions because it's a waste of your time. Specific to those topics. Specific to those topics. Not a general. Right. As you get into the wine thing, it'll ask you specific wine things in certain areas. Exactly. So we have like red wine service, white wine, rosé, production and structure and all that. And if you seem to know a fair bit about red wine, you can probably breeze through that. But if you seem to not know much about service, it's going to take more time. It's going to slow you down. It's going to make you work through it so that you really retain it. Um, so that's what adaptive learning is. It, 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 it downloads your knowledge set. It learns you. and There's then it teaches a whole you. algorithm or program, exactly. proprietary, I assume. Yeah, it's, it's custom, and custom learning. And that'll determine in how it feeds back to you. Like you said, you're a big red guy. You know a lot. They'll be less thrown out, white. They'll spend more time exactly. um, with that.
This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MOFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Caleb Ganser. Caleb is uh, the managing partner of Company Duvin Su Natural and um, their wine guy. And he also developed a wine app called Vino, V-K-N-O-W. <clears throat> and we were talking about um, how it's an adaptive learning uh, app. Um, so... Who do you think an app like this is best suited for? I mean, is it does it lean towards the pro? Is it too much for you know an amateur? Does it go everywhere? I mean, walk me through that. I think you know there are people at every aspect of you know the, touching the industry that can gain from this. Um, I think especially for entry level wine professionals, this is a great way to kind of learn a lot real quickly and bring yourself up to speed to talk about wine and in an authoritative manner and sell wine confidently. And, you know, I think you'll notice, you know, if I was a restaurateur and I wanted my staff who didn't know a ton about wine to learn a lot more very quickly, I think you give them this, you're going to watch sales explode just because the more confident you are, the more you're willing to talk about things and with ease and, 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 and grace and people respond to that. Um, that's, Wait, you know, let's take that example. <coughs> so you're, uh, you own a bar here. All your people are wine knowledgeable. You know, I think they're all Psalms or mm -hmm. aspiring Psalms and you want to help them, uh, increase their wine knowledge. So you recommend to them, listen, I'm going to get this app for you. There's a fee, you download it. So now how does it work for that guy? Um, is it a self-motivated thing where everything they're exposed to every day, they'll go back? Um, I mean, h how would you set it up for a professional that way? So essentially, there's, there are seven different uh, learning um, um, kind of different chapters in the, in the app. Everything from, again, red wine, white wine, rosé wine, sweet wines and late harvests, production and structure, service. Um, and you can go through and it'll chart your progress. And you can kind of, again, if, you, if you're pretty savvy in one or two of those topics, you'll breeze through very quickly because um, the adaptive learning uh, platform will say, you know what, let's just, they're answering everything right. They seem to get it. We're not going to waste our time. It's very efficient. Um, but once you sort of start running into roadblocks and seeing that and the adaptive learning platform sees you sort of struggling on some, some elements, 
it's going to kind of prompt you to kind of brush up on certain things. It'll ask you more questions. It'll teach you more things about that topic until it realizes that you're getting it, and then, then you can move on. Um, so it's a really great way to, to to run through a lot of information pretty quickly. Let it stick because it really seeps in. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest component is that it's we've partnered with people who are experts in teaching people things, and we've taken a very complex subject and broken it down, and we're feeding it through that channel. So people do uptake it quite faster than you normally would right. just reading a book or whatever. So it's is it's quite effective and quite efficient. Learning part too, exactly, yeah, where it really feeds to your speed and need and exactly. all of that. Um, so that's that's a guy in the biz. You know, I mean, that's a guy that could be an advanced sommelier or just starting with an interest in all of that. What about somebody who's just interested in wine? Does it, you know, fit on their app screen? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's we, we essentially wanted to gear it towards the consumer who sort of has a little bit of skin in the wine game. Like they want to learn a little bit more. Maybe they take clients out for dinner. They buy bottles of wine as gifts. Uh, or even if you're just you're just drinking on your own, you just want to get more out of that experience. This is going to allow you to do that. You know, one of the best examples I like to use is, you know, anybody can go to a museum and walk around and look at the pictures and the sculptures and have a great time and, and get something out of it. But we've all maybe downloaded that podcast or listened to kind of the, right. the guided tour or maybe even followed an actual guide. And then when you understand even just a little bit more about that painting or that work of art, you just appreciate it that much more. Right. And that's what this is designed to do. It's designed to teach you a little bit more about the wine so that you even understand it at a greater level. And you just get more out of that wine. It doesn't, you don't have to necessarily spend more on a bottle, but you can understand the wine better and then just value it better, more. So it's, let's not scare away, you know, the uh, amateur wine lover. It's perfectly set up for him. Um, Exactly. And it's going to teach you at your pace as well, which is great. It's not going to, I want to talk about, and you talked about it a little, you know, how it works. You said there were seven sections? Seven different sections. So there's seven sections. Um, if you can, go over them. And then why seven and why those? And can it and will it expand down the road? Absolutely. So uh, it starts with production and structure. You have red wine, white wine, sparkling wine, rosé, late harvest and fortifieds, and then service. So those, for starters, yeah. you got to get through that. You got to get you through that. You know wine, and you put the list together. You said, "Let's throw this out and start here." Exactly. These are the basics. Right. If you if you run through all of this, you're going to have a very fundamental knowledge of pretty much every style of wine that you're going to run into, um, with the exception of orange wine. But again, that's right. that's kind of in a way the oldest wine, but also relatively new to the market. Um, but you know, if you if you pass through this and you didn't have, I mean, you're just going to take your level of knowledge and just add 500 percent to it. I mean, it's just so let's 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 visualize or talk about that so let's talk about the red wine big category you know let's talk about not the industry guy but a consumer they download the app okay i'm ready to sit down i start with red wine they go to the red wine section um we know there's an adaptive learning component what what are they going to see are they going to see videos do they have to input information i mean give me a little yeah so it's going to be a little bit of a push and pull along the way Uh, it's kind of like a personal trainer for for your wine knowledge um it's going to present some information it's going to ask you questions about what you just saw it might ask you questions preemptively before it's even given you information just to see where you're at well and is then, there an assessment i think kind of yeah well yeah. in the beginning you can sort of say you can tell your confidence to the the app 
And if it's super low confidence, it's going to teach you more things before it asks you questions. But if you're high confidence, it's going to ask you questions just to sort of see, you know, sort of test you a little bit. Right. And if you're, again, if you're passing everything very quickly, you'll breeze right through it. If it's, you know, you can sense high confidence, but it actually, maybe you're not that strong in that area. It's still going to teach you those things before you can move on. So give me actuals. So like for red wine, we're going to talk about tannins, grape varieties. It's going to say, what yeah. Are, what are we going through? It's going to say. that's involved. <clears throat> you know, name me three. Where do tannins come from? There are three different areas that tannins can end up in a wine, three different sources. The grapes, the skins, the stems, and then so also... if you get two, it'll teach you back... It'll you say, know, hey, congrats, you got those two, but, but you, know, you forgot this important. one. Okay. Exactly. So it fills in. Exactly. And then it's going to talk about, you know, these are... Fam- which, which of these uh, grapes are famous in the Southern Hemisphere? Or which of these are most known for being grown in France? Or which of these are most known for being grown in Spain? And it just sort of allows you to kind of understand the way wine people break down the world uh, of wine and start to kind of piece it all back together. And that's, that's I would say, the, the biggest value add of this app is it sort of teaches you from a wine perspective in a very um, approachable sort of way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of your host along the way. There's videos of me kind of talking about wine and very, you know, very conversationally. It's not tr- meant to be very dense and... right. You know, we want to be that, inclusive not here, not exclusive. Either. Um, but if I'm using the app and there's videos, do you electively go to the videos or they work their way in? Like you if kind I'm of doing the red wine thing and you did something about tannins, I mean, does it go to <clears> that or now is a good time? Does it prompt you? There are two different ways you can go through it. You can kind of sort of, if you just click on the, the section, you're going to kind of start a bit of a, a journey. That's going to be a guided journey. It's going to prompt you with videos. It's going to prompt you with slides. It's going to prompt so you with graphs. So you'll start out with some videos. Exactly. So you'll they'll, you'll you'll get some knowledge dropped. It'll kind of pop going. up a, in a way a little bit. It's going to be seemingly random, but the algorithm has its sort of logic behind it. But once you've sort of gone through, you can go back in an area called uh, like recharge, and you're like, you know what? I actually really liked that that one slide, and you can go back and, and watch it again and again and again, or in your in your or library. If you didn't understand it. Exactly. Let me go back and listen again once or twice. Right. You can find that all in your library. So you go to structure and wine, production, whatever, tannins and skins, and you can pull up that slide right. and sort of study it and say, okay, cool. So skins have pigments and tannins, seeds have tannins, and the pulp has juice but no pigment. Interesting. Right. Um, how do you recommend people use it? Is it some? I know the answer is use it at your own speed, but do you feel, you know, if you're a professional, use it daily. If you're an amateur, use it weekly. I mean, is there something that makes it work best, or it's really back to you? I've had some people kind of just say, hey, I'm getting ready to go out to dinner. I want to have a, or a cocktail party. I want to have a few talking points. And you just kind of brush up, and you go to the library, and you say, okay, cool. Um, there's probably going to be some white wine and some red wine there. I'm going to read about acidity. Ooh, acidity is a chemical compound found in the grape juice. As the growing season progresses and ripeness increases, acidity levels decrease. You know, if you want, you can just kind of pepper in that in, in cocktail conversation. Say, oh, did you know that it adds a tartness to the resultant wine? So you wine? just brought <laughs> up a good point because you talked about it as an adoptive learning tool and, you know, teaching you as a wine lover, even a professional. But it's also a reference tool, I guess. There you are know, kind of, in a way, flashcards. If you are going out to dinner, yeah. you know, and with friends and it's about red wine or white wine, you could kind of bone up and sound like exactly. the smart guy at the table. Exactly. You, you can do all of that. Um, <coughs> give me another, that's a good example. Give me another uh, fun way or productive way, you know, to use the app. 
Well, there is, a, if you know, for the competitive folks out there, there's a, a high scoreboard. Um, so you can kind of keep track. I mean, so the, the way you get points in a way is sort of how quickly you answer these correctly. So the more you do it, the more points you can get. So some people are very competitive. So um, if you're doing it with a friend. You can kind of track who's, who's higher at the, at the time. Um, so that's kind of a way that some people like to go that route. You right. Know? There's Soul Cycle and then there's Flywheel. You know, some people like to right. see their, their status. Right, right, right. <laughs> that, that's a cool thing. Um, all right, so let's talk about how you can get this cost and all of that. So it's called Vino, V-K-N-O-W. Um, if you would like to look at it and, you know, eventually hopefully buy it, you go to the App Store? Go to the App Store um, on Apple or Google Play. Um, search Vino. So it's Android and yep. iOS. Yep. Okay. And, and it's a one-time fee. You pay eight ninety-five. You know, we wanted to keep it as approachable as possible. Um, but there is a ton of information in there. Like, we couldn't quite give it away. Um, but for how much information you're accessing for eight ninety-five, again, that's I for life. I think that's reasonable. I think a good wine book, you know, a series or anything um, is at least that or more two three times exactly i mean most wine courses are about three hundred dollars most wine reference books you know 50 to 60 bucks for like you know the jancis robinson you know book um this is something you have in your pocket you can take it with you it's scalable to your iphone right so if you're sitting on a subway exactly i mean everybody scales to iphone now but there was a time where you know things are cut out or you can't this is it's it's that we know how people are going to access it yeah yeah that's the user um all right so and it will be you'll add information it's yeah it's not a static uh app we can always add information to it um right now we still have people going through it um but it's 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 a living app so we're gonna have you know more information coming um it's it's again to get in for you know eight dollars and 95 cents for life it's i think pretty pretty attractive deal I mean, you were gracious enough to let me uh, take a look at it, and I initially looked at it, you know, for the show, just so I could understand and talk to you, and now I'm in the mode where how can I use it, you know, to increase my wine knowledge and all that, and uh, I like like the way it lays out. You know, it it shows you how you can open up old wine, how you decant old wine, and also how you kind of talk to consumers or, you know, your guests at a a restaurant, Um, and it's not... You know, this is there's no dogma. You know, it, right. there's a, there's a section in there about how you pair wines with food, and if you're a server at a restaurant and you know the guest wants to do a red wine with their fish or their salad, you say that's fine, great. Which what type of red wine would you like? I mean, you want their experience to be their experience. You're not trying to dictate anything. Right. Um, and I think that's sort of, I think that's where service is headed. Um, it used to be a little more. Well, you can't drink. You should drink white wine with fish and red wine with meat, and that's right. it. That. But you know, the the rules are kind of softening, and people who just want to drink what they want to drink. And you know, there's a section on talking to people about that. That's great, because um, I keep going back to the fact that, you know, initially I thought it's a straight teaching tool. There's a lot of that, but there's a lot of reference and you know recommendation and all of that. Absolutely, I, I mean, service valuable. temperatures for yeah. various wines. It's it's all right there. Right for consumer and professional and all. All right, so that's Vino, V-K-N-O-W, available uh, on the uh, App Store. Um, at least go to the store and look at the description <laughs> and the artwork and, you know, pull the trigger if you're into wine. All right, um, while I have you here, I can't let you leave without um, subjecting you to our wine list. You did this a couple of years ago. 
Um, I post everyone's answers on social media. I may do a side-by-side -side with you to see how much you've matured and grown. <laughs> or <in the> digressed. <laughs> and I don't think so for some reason. All right, so our wine list is we asked our guests the same uh, five questions. And uh, you buzz through them. Don't obsess on them. Mm. Fixate on them. You may have answered this first one a little, but think about it again. What are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What's on your table? What What are you tasting for the restaurant? What's exciting you? A couple of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially for the restaurant, just always trying to find just very value-driven wines coming from parts of the world that you wouldn't expect um, because there are, are a ton of them out there. We had a really great Syrah blend from Bulgaria that was quite really? affordable. People loved it, and it hit all the different flavor pro profiles, and you know, it's hard to find a wine at that price from, from France or from the U.S. Um, so pull back the curtain on that a little. Um, discovery for you and for customers is important. How do you do that? I mean, is it distributors bringing stuff in? Are you seeing stuff online, all of the above? I mean, how are you finding this stuff? And like you said, some of it may not be available to the extent that you want. Yeah, what I love about New York is that it's, it's the greatest wine market in the world i mean you have it's super competitive you have about over 300 importers out there tracking down the best wines in the world that they can get their hands on that's that's sort of their job uh and bring them to this market at the best price they can to stay competitive and i i'll try to line up you know i've started doing these things called power hours where you know doing it doing a tasting you know I, it's, it's one of those funny things where you tell somebody what you do and they say oh do you taste wine for a living and you say yes they say that must be amazing, and then you end up hearing sommeliers complaining about how long you know tasting appointments can take, and you're like, okay, I spent two hours and I tasted with four different people. Um, and I know it sounds silly, but <clears throat> you know, time is money, and I've started doing these things called power hours, where I'll taste with six different distributors within an hour. Everybody gets ten minutes. They show up with six wines. Not together. Not together. One guy out next. Scheduled guy up in. every ten minutes. Right two different tasting stations and there are great distributors and good people in new york so being here you have access yeah to and you want to say, say yes a guy in yeah. kansas city certainly wouldn't have right it. and i don't want to close my mind or my palate to anything that just because this is not somebody we've done business with in the past i want to say you know i want to taste with you see what you got you're out there this is your job let's see uh, what you found and i'm not gonna say every single wine i taste is great but you do find some gems that you probably wouldn't have normally right. discovered and it's that's that's what wine's all about and being inquisitive and open to discovery yeah um, those are good answers. I asked you this last time. It's the silliest question on the uh, thing, but we ask people their favorite wine and food pairing. I'm curious of two things: if this one matches the one from two years ago, and what it is. So you know, I've you have something that resonates. You know, you, it's just a ooh ah whenever you do it. Not that you make it every Thursday night, but what's a good Caleb Ganser wine and food pairing? So uh, my girlfriend has just started making we got these anchovies my chef eric he gave me some anchovies for my birthday like really good ones <laughs> like right. insane anchovies right. yeah just like next level and it's it's kind of hard to eat an anchovy one by one i don't know it, it's it's you can do it but this was a massive thing of anchovies so we we're like all right how do we so we created this anchovy dip um she put just olive oil anchovies and butter uh, and some garlic into the blender just blitzed it thickened up a little thickened up and honestly we just and i mean you know in italy it's called like a bagnacauto or whatever um but it just had this really nice texture and we're just dipping in all you know radicchio and all these like right. winter vegetables into it and what goes with that i mean salty so, sea fishy 
what uh so there's a lovely you know wine store downstairs in her uh near her building called uh dandy wine and spirits and they always have a really cool selection of you know champagnes and everything and Honestly, Pinot Meunier driven champagne. I don't know why it just worked really well. There's just like the slightly darker fruit fruit profile. Pinot or high count. I think it was. I mean, I, I want to say it's Musée Fils was the was the one, and they're super strong Pinot Meunier producers. And it was insane. It had this saltiness kind of um, this the d- darker fruit profile, which went nicely with the, sort of that earthy anchovy um, or you know very dirty sort of sea water anchovy. Right. Um, and just. There were some butter, some oil. It was very oily, but you know the the acidity and everything in the champagne. It's that's a it force for really the well. grape nation, and I guarantee it ain't matching your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's probably it's brand oysters new. and champagne or something. Right. Um, all right, we ask everyone their favorite wine restaurant and or bar, and I have to tell you, and I think you know it. Um, a lot of our guests select Compagnie on that. Honored people to hear in that. The industry and you know other people, whether they're writers or whatever. I think a year ago we did awards and we compiled the answers to all those questions and you were the winner. I think you, I made you call me on air. <laughs> I do award. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but, I'm very grateful for that. Thank but you. That's your hard work and you know, the environment and place you set up. That's not me. That's just giving people an opportunity to tell, you know, what they think is best. So let's go to you. What do you, when you're not here and I know you work pretty hard, who's do, who else is doing it well out there? We, uh, there's a lovely new wine bar, uh, Frank's, over in, in Brooklyn. John Patterson. Yeah, exactly. Um, was just there for the first time. I think it just sort of switched from from what it was from it what was it was part to part of the restaurant. Exactly. He and got to extend the wine and all that. Yeah, and it's you know the program was was great. A lot of amazing things by the glass that you don't normally see. You know, all different price points, different values. The bottle list looked amazing. Didn't get a chance to eat any food yet, but the pork schnitzel yeah the the dishes looked great um i it's i think it's an awesome new addition to the the landscape out there give me one more i'm trying to think of something i didn't say last time i mean i go to four horsemen don't worry about that (laughs) i go to four horsemen more than anything okay so it's it's okay to validate that the four horsemen is just a place those guys kill it yeah love them they're very good guys i think they were just uh in france the whole crew yeah they they brought quite a few people over there yeah. Uh, yeah that was nice all right um Here's another good one to match up, and maybe it's changed. Favorite all-time wine. And I think what's evolved with the question since you were here, it was sort of like, what's your favorite all-time wine? I think what's happened with the question is um, it's hard to do one, so you could do one or two. Um, It doesn't have to be the most expensive, the most rare. A lot of times it's become experiential. You know, this is the champagne I got engaged to. And that shows you how important wine is as an experience. So that is a setup. Caleb Ganser's favorite all-time wine or wines. Gosh, yeah, that's always the hardest Even question today, to answer. You know, what do I you mean, th- the wine that kind of always um, that kind of made it click for me was 1982 Aubryon. I was so big vintage Goodyear Bordeaux. Yeah, and this was I tasted it. I was it was like 22, so this was 11 years ago, so 2008 essentially. That jump started a heavy interest in wine and an impression. Yeah. Yeah, I saved up a bunch of money. I was still working as a server I think in that's college, on the list. and went there. Went to Charlie Trotter's in Chicago when it was still open, and just like got the tasting menu, but then ponied up for all the you know the the premium wine pairing, and that was on there, and just stuck with me. And I've had other moments with like 1989 Aubryon. There was a tasting, uh, there was a service moment when I was at EMP, and there was this uh, there was a son and a mother from China, 
and they were visiting. They didn't speak much English, but we had like good rapport. It's like, what do you want to drink? And you know, what should we drink? And I was like, I don't know. You know, and we ended up on Bordeaux. And I was like, well, you know, 89 O'Brien is legendary, you know, and they were like, cool, let's go for it. And it was not cheap. It was definitely four digits. Um, they and loved it. They, they, had, they loved it, poured it for him, loved it. She didn't even drink very much. Um, but the, the son, he was like, please, you know, you have to bring me, bring a glass for yourself. And I was like, oh, no, I couldn't, you know. And then he's like, no, no I insist. And so, you know, part Got of the service again. there, you got to do it. So you bring the glass over. He poured uh, me a, a full glass. It was a five-ounce pour. And he said, you know, let's we drink like we do in the old country. Right. One one shot. And I was like, really? He's like, let's go. So we sat there and we sculled a glass of Obreon on the floor, 89. $1,000 worth of wine in yeah, one, one, one shot. Sip. Yeah. It was delicious, you know, but it's like yeah. one of those memories that you have with the wine. And, it's a good story. Yeah. All right, last question. Uh, interestingly, your picks are some very traditional classic wines, which is nice. They're still out there. And well, you know, they're always going to be there. You know, you yeah. say all-time favorite, and 20 no, years, no, 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 I'll I'm find not, O'Brien. I'm not knocking. I'm yeah. just pointing out. Um, <laughs> Observing. I think you can uh, answer this. I ask everybody, and this is a good uh, reference for people. Recommend best wine around 15 20 bucks retail. So take your uh, wholesale hat off. Um, my kids are in their 20s. They can't go to parties and bring $9 wines. They can't afford 40s. So that sweet spot. <laughs> I think you yeah. can tell me there's interesting wines for 15 20 If there give aren't, Give me a red. Be... Give me a white. You can give me a region. You can give me a maker. I'm trying like to think of something. Muscadet that... is always a great white answer. But, you know. Yeah. No, I'm trying to, try to get outside that a little bit. Um, I would say if you go to a good store... Especially, I mean, New York. We're, we're surrounded by so many good stores. You know, the the curse and the blessing is that you can't you can't have more than one. Technically, you have to have you know one shop. Right. Um, Unbelievable. Right. I think the Roussillon and Catalunya, just essentially Catalunya, whether it's south or north. So essentially, you so know, Spanish Catalunian for red and white, or either. Yeah, they both do. They and Roussillon because it's coastal. So um, give me. So hold on. So Roussillon and Spanish Catalonian reds and whites are good values and across the board wines and all of that. You, you, you really can't spend that much. I mean, they, there are some expensive wines, but in the grand scheme of things, there's a ton between fifteen and twenty bucks that, and you're you're always going to have a unique experience. So that's the perfect segue to your local wine store. Now you have a little knowledge. I'd like to try a Roussillon or Catalonia. I have 15, 20 bucks. Yeah. Let him bring you to that because he's curating. Yeah. So that's a good answer. All right, Caleb, admirable job on that. Um, like I said, we'll post everything. Sounds and, great. Uh, we'll, we'll do a comparison. Um, we're going to wrap up the show. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegreatnation.com. That's samatthegreatnation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and the hashtag The Grape Nation. On Twitter, we're at BenRuby and hashtag The Grape Nation. You can subscribe to The Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Like I said, we'll post Caleb's uh, wine list. Let's do a comparison um, on our media sites. You'll see him on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Caleb, let's remind people about a bunch of things here. Let's start with you first. If people are so compelled and interested to follow you, where can they follow you on social media? We do most of our uh, communication on Instagram. Okay. Um, so the the wine bar is Company NYC. 
C O M P A G N I E N Y C. Post events and yeah. pictures of fun events. Everything so we got coming up. Snapshot. Into yeah, what you're doing. exactly. And if they want to follow you personally, um, Ganzer G A N Z E R underscore W E I N Ganzer Vine. Okay. Um, wait, W E I N. Right. Ganser yeah, Vine. I think I'm German or something, so I just yeah. decided I'd roll with that. Sometimes you look at that and you go, "Why did he pick that?" You know, <laughs> that's okay. Um, you just hit Ganser and it comes up. Yeah, anyway. I would. There's only a couple. All right, now let's talk one more time about uh, Vino. The app is called Vino. V K N O W. There's also an Instagram for that if you want to follow along. Go ahead. Where, where do we find that? Vino Wine. Okay, Vino Wine. So you could see uh, stuff going on there, and you can buy it on the App Store. Yep. One-time purchase, eight ninety-five. Eight. What was the price again? Eight ninety-five. Eight ninety-five. Got it for life. And you got it for life, and it's uh, it's a very good wine tool. Um, Caleb asked me if we could talk about it. I took a look at it, and I thought it was worth sitting down and talking about. So congrats on that, and good thank luck you. with it. Good luck here at Company. Thank and you, Sam. With everything else. Um, thank you to our guest, Caleb Ganser. Um, thank you to our engineers at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.